some adjective to be named later. The Homestar Army proudly presents TrekWest 5, a conglomerate podcast of science fiction, politics, humor, and pretty much whatever else they want to talk about. Your hosts for TrekWest 5 are Joey and Peter. Good evening and welcome to Podcast 189. I am Peter. And I am Joey. Um, Alright, uh, new digs, new echo, <laughs> same old podcast. Um, we are officially in our new offices at our, uh, with our work, and this is uh, supposed to be our room. Our podcast studio. Yeah, uh, which is just bare walls right now. Bare walls. Nothing else really in here except a desk and a couple of chairs and our uh, our recording equipment. But I'm still pretty jazzed about the whole thing. I I think I'm really liking this new office. Interesting. Uh, I heard you mention that to somebody. Mm-hmm. I am not sold yet. So the biggest thing is the noise that I have to put up with around other people. And the thing that I'd mentioned to a couple of other people was. There's just this weird kind of white noise that's happening, and I think it's the ventilation system. Yeah, the the way it's pumping out, it uh, it seems to just kind of dampen everything. I still hear conversations, but it's nowhere near like the old office, yeah. which was so <laughs> frustrating for me. Um, so time will tell, and they're still they're still putting all the finishing touches sure. on this new office of ours. Um, I've just, I just know I've been going home with like a, a low-grade headache every day from the constant roar in the background. Roar? I, I don't know that I would classify it as a roar. A, a dull roar. A dull roar. A grant. <laughs> um, well, anyway, uh, that is not the reason why we didn't record last week. Joey was out of town on a little trip. That uh, was sort of work-sponsored. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you wanted to mention nah. anything about it. You got to stay in a fancy little resort uh, timeshare. We, we, we took a trip to a place called Zermatt for Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was something that our, our company had available as a benefit. They offered it to me if I wanted to go up there. It was okay. It was uh, the, the term that I've been using to describe it, everyone, is... Expensive for the sake of being expensive. Yeah, and the the well, the fact is, you didn't pay for it. Thankfully, yeah, that's true. So that's true. it's like a win win for you because yeah, I'm sure your wife enjoyed it. She did. Yeah, I, I think I think her favorite part was we went to dinner, and she didn't have to ask me what we could and couldn't order off the menu. Oh no, because we just <laughs> so the the. The partner in the company who told me we could use this, he actually said, use as many of our points as you can because we have all these points and they're going to expire and then we just have no value in them. So use everything you can. So we went out to the steakhouse that's embedded there in the, in the restaurant and I think we spent $250 on dinner. Fantastic. That's great. <laughs> well, that's worth it just, just for that. 
It wasn't a $250 value dinner. <laughs> uh, okay. Any, uh, let's see, any, any announcements? Anything? Oh, I have a brief adventures in Republican. Okay. Did you want to do that right now? Sure. Or, can, uh, it's, it's very short, so, you know, I can get okay, it out of the way. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, I was, I was called in this morning, early this morning. Uh, the judge in the ongoing litigation between Julie Blaney and Daryl Ackerman had recused herself. And so they called in all of the witnesses to come testify in front of a new judge. What's weird is you, you told me about this is the way in which they did it. There were a lot of weird things about it. A lot of weird things happened. So the first thing that w- that was weird to me was that I got the call this morning to come in at 11.30 this morning. So it was about 7.30, 8 o'clock that I got the call from the court saying, hey, we need you here at 11.30 to go over your testimony. And so I thought, oh, the judge has some questions or something. Okay, I can, I can come down. No big deal. And I get there, and it's in the courtroom, and everyone is there. And I thought, what is going on here? And that's when the attorney for the plaintiff told me, Oh, yeah, we're retrying the whole case today. <laughs> what, what's weird is if you don't answer your phone, let's say the battery's dead or you're out of town. Right. You know, what are they supposed to then well, do? I actually, I had already written my whole testimony down and sworn it as an affidavit and, and it was in, it was in evidence already. So they can accept that as evidence, but there's no opportunity then for me to be cross-examined. And that's the big thing really is it's hard to for the judge to give much weight to a testimony when there was no opportunity for the opposing counsel to cross-examine. Did he do anything different in this cross-examination? No, they asked me the exact same set of questions they did last time, which it actually was, you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure how this case is going to end up because the attorney this time around took a much better tack than he did last time. And... He may come away saying, you know what, we have a legitimate case and, and it's not libel. So hmm. the, the defense at this point is, well, I thought maybe she had done something wrong. And so I felt it was my obligation to call attention to it. <laughs> That's completely different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now it's just a question of whether or not the judge is convinced that any harm was done to her character by him not following the proper procedures. So it just depends on the judge's opinion. But the, the, the thing is that they have, they're hearing uh, closing arguments. It's already slated for Monday afternoon at 1.30 p.m. And so when the judge apparently yesterday afternoon recused herself, they <laughs> hurriedly got together and had the trial over. <laughs> so bizarre. What's even, yeah, yeah, you know what, I... I just let us know when it's over, okay? Uh, because this is just so baffling and yeah. stupid, uh, I think, on many different levels. But I'd uh, love to hear the, the final uh, um, ruling, yes, uh, yeah. if, if that's what it's called. Um, and, uh, and hopefully it's all done for you so you don't have to go uh, sit through legal proceedings uh, anymore. Yeah, should I, I should be done now at this point. Okay, we have a couple of emails that came in, and uh, I thought I might read a couple. Okay. Uh, This is from listener M. He said, hey guys, good to hear a new recording and that everything is doing mostly fine. Pete had a great sign-off this last podcast. Quote, I'm going to stick my fingers in my ear, close quote. (laughs) I got a good laugh from that. 
Um, I thought I would share my favorite BSG clip. And then there's a link. Uh, I went and watched it. And it's not really even a clip of like any of the episodes we watched. It was sort of like this weird montage of other things that were probably going on in season one that they never showed or aired in oh, okay. on the, the episodes. So as I was watching, I'm like, well, that's all of the characters. And, um, well, they're all doing different things. I've never seen any of these scenes before. Uh, so it was so like a bunch of deleted scenes strung together or something? Could be. I mean, it was all like at the very beginning, like right when they nuke uh, Caprica. Okay. And so they're showing scenes like Anders and his um, team that are practicing uh, off in this location. Oh, or see. they're showing other battle stars that all of a sudden have lost complete control because of the virus that uh, uh, takes over their computer. Um, and a few other main characters. Um, it, it was just, it was neat. I enjoyed watching it, but uh, we, we did not see any of those before. Uh, he closes out. I look forward to hearing whatever show you talk about next. We'll get into that later. Um, listener Bob sent in an email. Fantastic. He said, hi, fellas. I hope all is well. I really enjoyed your BSG wrap-up. It was highly amusing and enjoyable to listen to. To be fair, I don't think BSG was to my taste. It was well-produced and written, but didn't have the charm that something like Star Trek had. It's a, it's, it is rare for a sci-fi show to have that. Firefly had it in abundance, as did, in my opinion, Stargate SG-1. Richard Dean Anderson was so brilliant as the lead in that. SpongeBob is planning a trip to the USA in 2016. I think she is trying to add a whistle-stop tour of Utah in between the Grand Canyon and the Golden Gate Bridge. I'll let you know how planning goes. It's a case of me nodding and smiling when she's planning, then kicking up a fuss when we are there because I don't remember her talking to me about the plan. Should be fun. <laughs> Um, yeah, I hope you do come through Utah. We'd love to uh, uh, host you and uh, take you out to dinner or maybe show you a couple of the sites here in Utah. Yeah. It might be fun. Uh, at the very least, um, we should uh, you know meet you um, face-to-face. That would be awesome. Rather than email-to-email. Email. Uh, I know I would enjoy that, as would Joey, clearly. Um, so, those are emails. Facebook find of the week. Okay. Um, not many submissions. I, there's two. There are two submissions, <laughs> I think. Um, the Mr. T song about your mother, showing respect to your mother. I remember that song. Brilliant. <laughs> and then number two is the, I don't want to say leaked, because I don't think it was leaked. It was probably intentional, but uh, photos of the new Batman starring Ben Affleck. As well as, in the background, the Batmobile. Which, it seems like it's very clearly going back towards the original uh, Batman movies as far as, like, the design of the Batmobile. At least, what I could see of it. Um, So... It's it's not the the Rambler or whatever that is now anymore? The Bat? I don't know. What, What was that thing called in the movie? The Christian Bale movies. 
The, oh, oh, the uh, uh, the tumbler, I tumbler. believe is called. There you go. Um, no, the bat was the thing he had in movie right. three that was flying around. But it was kind of a similar aesthetic to the tumbler. I suppose it was black. <laughs> Certainly matched. <laughs> I only work in black. Uh, I think I'm going to give it to the Mr. T thing. So um, just because it's so nostalgically <laughs> it's terrible. <iconic. laughs> Uh, to see Mr. T, you know, singing some song about respecting your mothers, it's just so awful in <laughs> extraordinary ways. So, congratulations, Fishhead! You will continue to not receive an award. Uh, no Brainy's Nook of Darkness. Okay. Um, so we will need to move into our top five list. Okay. All right. So I've got three uh, people who sent in top fives here. We'll go to Bob first. He says, I am glad that you were covering Sherlock Series 3. I would most definitely put it among the top of the non-sci-fi shows to cover. Uh, but other shows I would put in a top five are. Which, by the way, we're not. Uh, this doesn't count as the, the next show. We're, like, it's not a drama show we're doing. This is just, well, we like Sherlock, so we're yeah. just doing this one. Um, so, his number five, Mission Impossible. A lot of great analogies to the Cold War and wonderful futuristic technology could link uh, a lot of storylines to what was happening in the world at that period. Maybe a bit dated to cover, though. Uh, I'd be curious to know if he means the the Mission Impossible that was done in like the late '80s or the one that was done in like I think the '50s, '60s. I'd be curious to know which one he's referring to. I would prefer the one in the '80s. I think. I remember watching it and enjoying it. Yeah. Number four, The Newsroom. A great look at real-life news stories through a liberal, fictional lens. Maybe when the series ends this year. Number three, House of Cards. A darker West Wing? A look at the political machinations of Frank Underwood. Number two, 24 slash spooks. This is an either-or thing. Two spy counter-terror shows, one from the U.S. and one from the U.K. A lot of moral ambiguity, torture, and action to cover. Number one, Twin Peaks. Would Hmm. this be classified as sci-fi? I've always wanted to finish watching this. It was only one season. I know they did a second season, but really, it was only one season. Uh, I have started it on two occasions, but never finished. Maybe this time is right to finally do that. Um, interesting list here. I thought about the newsroom, um, but uh, I don't know. I feel like we would just be rehashing old West Wing stuff. <laughs> Since that's what Aaron Sorkin is doing? Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Um, 24 might be uh, unique, but I feel like that's almost too action-y. And it's yeah, just a lot of that. like bravado blow stuff up, which I enjoyed-ish. Um, and then Twin Peaks, that might be unique. That one is, I, I don't think, I don't know what to describe it as because it's not proper drama. It's not proper science fiction. It's... Just proper weird. I have no idea what Twin Peaks is. I mean, that's not true. I've heard of it before, but I've never seen an episode. Uh, I believe 
David Duchovny's in it? Uh, no, that okay. I know of. Maybe okay. he is. Maybe he has a small role. I don't then, think. Then I don't even know that about it. <laughs> it, it was. Uh, I think at the time, David Duchovny was in X Files. Okay. So, uh, I don't really follow David Duchovny that well. I just feel like that's a feeling deep within my soul. Okay, let's move on to listener M, who says, "Hmm, I think this Friday will be a perfect time for me to rewatch." The Empty Hearse. I look forward to hearing your thoughts. Top TV, uh, top five TV shows. Number five, 24. Not sure if you'd consider that sci-fi. Two votes for 24 here. Yeah. Number four, episodes. I have no idea what that show is. This is, uh, this is an import to the U.S. of a show from the U.K. So I don't know if he means the U.S. version or the U.K. version. And the premise is uh, Matt LeBlanc is playing a movie star in a popular sitcom. And it's, it's the relationship between Matt LeBlanc and the people who are writing the sitcom. So it, it, it's very meta. Like Matt mm-hmm. LeBlanc, his character's name is Matt LeBlanc. And <laughs> All right. Sounds like kind of a comedy. Yeah, it's a little comedy-ish. I, I've only seen one episode, the first, the pilot episode. But it did look like it could be kind of funny. Number three, Better Off Ted. <laughs> which we show. both enjoy. Brilliantly <laughs> funny. Sad that it lost... Uh, it's a crime. <laughs> that didn't last longer. Yeah. Number two, News Radio. Uh, unique choice. I enjoyed news radio. I'm not sure how well that would <laughs> age. Be, yeah, yeah. How well that aged. Uh, but uh, at the time, I really loved it, and it was the last thing Phil Hartman did before he committed suicide. Uh, number. Did he commit suicide? He did. I thought he was murdered, and his wife committed suicide. I thought she killed him and the kids, and then killed herself. Uh, facts are hazy on my side. Okay. All right. I don't know. He's dead. That's he died true. while making that show. Um, okay. Last, number one, All in the Family. <laughs> Which, um, it could, could happen. Could happen, maybe. Feel like it's not going to happen. All right. Last email here from uh, the Duke, my roommate, Sean. He says, I'm not sure about anybody else, but I don't know if I can handle another series that has no end in sight. So here are my top five picks that all qualify as a short jaunt rather than a marathon. Freaks and Geeks, I present to you Judd Apatow High. Here we get a first glimpse of all our favorite comedy stars before they were famous, clocking in at a total of 18 episodes. It should be as light as imaginable. Little known tidbit, I once saw Dave Allen, the hippie guidance counselor at the Wendy's in Sugar House. For real! (laughs) Did you ever watch Freaks and Geeks? No. I uh, had some friends who love it. They just were... It was... It, to them, it was the Firefly okay. of, uh, Firefly of TV Firefly. shows because it was just canceled mid-season of season one, and it was brilliant from what I... 
I never watched it, uh, but uh, I've heard tons of really great things about it. So that that could be that could be a dark horse. Um, ooh, Twin Peaks. Two for Twin Peaks. Just a few seasons of off the wall craziness and a mystery to solve. Plus, with Paul Atreides and a log baby, there really is no downside. Rectify. This is a new show. Never heard of that one. There is only one season that has been released, and it is on Netflix. Aiden Young plays a man released from prison after 19 years due to new DNA evidence. The series follows those close to him as they all struggle with the uncertainty of his guilt. Is I, I wonder if this is just a pure Netflix... Original series kind of thing? Yeah. Because I, I haven't heard about it at all. Never heard of it. I thought I... I... I would have thought I heard of all the Netflix original series, but... Hmm. Uh, Okay, so let's see. Oh, The Americans. A Cold War biopic told from the perspective of the dirty commies. This is still ongoing and is just now wrapping up the second season. So this should be pretty entertaining and easy to get through without being too drawn out. Um, which is interesting because he starts with his thing saying, I don't want to have any <laughs> no end in sight TV shows. And this one's clearly right in the middle. Have you watched any of it? I have not. I, I've seen uh, advertisements for the shows because it's on. No, I've seen the commercials. FX. Could I feel be. like it's on FX. Um, anyway, when I see it there, I think, well, that looks pretty good. But I just don't feel myself ever drawn to say, yeah, I should totally watch that. Like, I've never looked at it and said, I'm going to try and watch this. And I clearly neither of you. No. It, it looks like it does. It looks like it could be interesting. It just hasn't filtered up through the list of other things I want to do. Right. Okay. The Fall. More British stuff. This one is pretty heavy. Gillian Anderson is an Irish cop on the lookout for a serial killer in Northern Ireland, Ireland, who happens to be Jamie Dornan, soon to be Christian Grey, a father and husband who works as a bereavement counselor. The series follows the killer through his methods and is quite dark. At only six episodes, it might be doable. Hmm. Although, I wonder how good Gillian Anderson's Irish accent is. <laughs> She's got the look, no doubt, but the Irish accent, I'm curious if she can do it. Uh, cheers. At only 271 episodes and 11 seasons, Sam Malone can charm our hearts all over again as we rejoice in the destruction of that witch, Diane Chambers. <laughs> In any fashion, all of these would be excellent choices. If you decide against them, I understand, but you're wrong and I hate you, Sean. Um, cheers would be uh, um, <laughs> not short, unless we were to just do like one season sort of thing, or we pick and choose a few episodes, episodes from, from, yeah. from each one. Uh, my friend John Madsen's recently done that with his JR Watch of Star Trek 
uh, podcast where they didn't do they didn't watch all of the Voyager episodes. They just picked and choo- chose a few, some that were submitted, others I think maybe had been randomly chosen. I don't know, um, but maybe we could do that for Cheers as well. Okay. The, no. the irony is I actually just finished, just recently, uh, <laughs> I think it was March, watching through all 11 seasons of Cheers. Wow. So what did you think of the finale? Well, I see, I remember the finale very clearly. I watched it uh-huh. when it originally aired. Okay. I remember staying up late to watch it because then they had, after the finale, they had the interview with all the cast members and stuff, and I was... Oh, you know, I want to see this and watch how these people interact, knowing that this is probably the last time professionally they're going to be together. Uh, So the finale I I enjoyed. I thought it was a good finale, a good write off to that show. Yeah. But I I just think it's funny that it's coming up because I I, it took me about, I think, four years because it's not like I went and watched it every single day. Every couple days or so, I'd sit down and watch two episodes or I'd have it on while I was doing something else. And just working my way through, and then, you know, I'd, there are times where I'd pause it and say, "Hey, Didi, come here. You got to watch this. This is such a iconic joke that I remember from my youth. I, to this day, I can still remember the scene around me. The first time I heard Norm Peterson say, "Women, you can't live with them and pass the beer nuts." <laughs> <laughs> uh, all classic characters. The 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 that cast. Um, and, uh, I, I don't know, I guess friends, maybe Seinfeld could probably rival the, uh, uh, the amount of, um, uh, f- favoritousness that people feel the around nostalgia. the, the, the series, but, uh, I certainly enjoyed it. Um, okay. That's all the emails that we have about, uh, the top five. Uh, Joey, how about your list? Okay. Number five on my list, and this could also be one that we do. We don't have to watch every episode. We just pick and choose here and there. The Simpsons. The Simpsons, really? I have not watched very many episodes of The Simpsons, and a lot of people make references to it all the time (laughs) as though everyone should just get these references. (laughs) What's great is the people who um, uh, shows that copy The Simpsons, and uh, you'll get someone say, ah, yeah, Simpsons did it first, uh, comments. (laughs) But, okay. Yeah. Uh, my, num- my number four, Cagney and Lacey. <laughs> uh, well, I'm just curious. What, what makes you choose Cagney and this, Lacey? This would absolutely be a mean-spirited run for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, who doesn't love a girl-themed buddy cop <laughs> TV <laughs> show? We would pick this thing apart, man. <laughs> There could be some fun there. Do you do you know how many seasons? I don't know. I didn't look that up. Oh gosh, I I, th- I remember it being fairly popular. Yeah. So I'm feeling like at least four or five seasons. I bet it went. <laughs> those I did. When, when you look at Hollywood, those women didn't age well. No. Well, the thing I, the thing that actually made me think of Cagney and Lacey is I was originally thinking. Burn Notice. It's one that I've talked mm-hmm. to you about before. Sure. I just don't know podcast-wise how well it translates. But on the show Burn Notice, Michael's mother is played by... Yeah, yeah. I can't remember if it's Cagney or if it's Lacey, <laughs> but one of the two. <laughs> uh, my, my number three is The Mary Tyler Moore Show. Uh, yeah. 
And, and I just feel like there's a lot of comedy background in our culture today that we can find. I've, I've, I watched a few episodes here and there. I started, a, it's been about six years now, but I started at season one and I think I made it to about season three, but I, I, I would watch and I'd be, Oh yep. They're still doing that joke, you know? And, and it may not be that Mary Tyler Moore show invented the joke either, but for me it was just very interesting and, and intriguing to see kind of the, I don't know, the writing style come through all the way up to today. I don't think I have ever watched any of the Mary Tyler Moore show, but I absolutely know about the Mary Tyler Moore show. <laughs> I think it was one of those things where it was like, it was young enough that it was one of those, yeah, go to bed, you know, yeah. mom and dad on, are watching Mary Tyler Moore. <laughs> right. Um, but, uh, boy, I'm a fan of Mary Tyler Moore. Okay. Number two, and this is this is one I would really like us to fit in at some point. I don't know if now is the right time. The Incredible Hulk. The seventies? Yes. Yeah, with Lou Ferrigno as the Hulk. Wow. I really like that show. I watched it many, many times. I have it on DVD. Okay. I'm happy to go down this path because I think there's a nostalgia element that comes along with this. And I, I know you're a big Hulk fan, but I would be concerned that this would fast turn into... Mean-spirited? Yes. <laughs> like, really mocking. <laughs> Are I, you prepared for this? I, I, feel like, I feel like it can, it can hold up. <laughs> Some aspects of it can hold up. It, it's certainly not going to be Smallville with the special effects. I'll grant you that. But, the, you know, I feel like halfway through the first season we're, we're going to stop seeing the horribleness and we're going to just enjoy the episodes for the what they have in them oh, and there are some really well written episodes in there i uh i hope at some point if we do that there should need to be a dissertation about how the pants manage to still fit both individuals <laughs> i i actually what magic is happening if you go to sci-fi.stackexchange.com... No, no, don't, don't do it now. Okay. Don't do it now. I've answered this question on the Sci-Fi Stack Exchange. <laughs> this is awful. That is terrible. <laughs> I mean, granted, it gets you a geek card that uh, I think is pretty solid, but wow. Wow. I also recently on, on the same website, uh, there was a question about... How many bal Balrogs are there in The Lord of the Rings? Uh huh. And I put an answer on there, and someone else put a different answer, and somebody voted my answer down. I mean, my first initial draft of the answer was very brief. You know, it was just well, you know, here's this reference, right? Somebody voted my answer down, so I went in. This is like one o'clock in the morning on a Saturday morning. I went in to my bedroom and I got all my Tolkien books off the shelf, every single one of them, which is about thirty books. And I went through every single one of them and found every reference I could ever find to Balrogs and put them all in his answers to say, and see, look right here, right here, right here. And just, and it's now one of the highest voted answers on that website. I think you should have to, like, when you introduce yourself, you have to state, uh, yes, I was the one that answered the question <laughs> regarding the Hulk's pants on this particular website. As well as the number of Balrogs there are. <laughs> Okay, well, I, I certainly don't have anything that geeky, so I guess you win in that department. 
the last one, I, w- I really would just like to make you watch this. Uh-huh. This would be my revenge for Battlestar Galactica. My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. <laughs> no, that doesn't count. That does not count because that's science fiction. Oh, it's totally fantasy. What? We're, we're, we're focusing on a drama, though. A drama. So clearly does not count. All right. Is not applicable. We'll, we'll get for... it in there someday. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's still ongoing, is that's it not? That's true, it is, yeah. Okay. Uh, but they've how many seasons have they done? I believe they just finished season either four or five. I think it was season four. Are, are these... Uh, 22 wh- to 26 episode seasons. Really? Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. And there to, are, there are long story arcs. So they start each season with the introduction of a season-long story arc that sure, runs Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you've mentioned that to me before. You, you have. I'm just... I'm impressed that uh, they would allow and, and go in that direction for that much. Yeah. Uh, that's, it's impressive. It really is. Uh, okay. That's it for you. Yep. Okay. Now I'm not going to lie. I had to wait for you for a while tonight. And so as I was putting my list together, (laughs) this list grew. It is big. (laughs) All right. And in the end, I ended up where I was going. I hit this one particular website where I, a list of 400 odd TV shows, um, that I, you know, clicked through, you know, the list and I, I ended up with a science fiction list as well that even that is more than five. five. <laughs> uh, so I'm just going to throw a few out here. Okay. These, these are not officially my list. Just throwing a few out there. Uh, so Perry Mason. Perry Mason, good old. You don't think that would develop the, into the mean streak? I, it's it's a lawyer program. He's uh, it's solid. It's is not Matt, is Matlock on there too? No, Matlock is not on there. But somebody else who is, who I think you could get behind this, Magnum PI. You know, I've never watched an episode of Magnum PI. Get out no, of town. No, never did. Oh, it is such brilliant 80s. I, like, it screams I, I, 80s in I, every I, episode. I think it came on after the $6 million man when I was growing up. And, and I, so I always had to choose. Am I going to watch $6 million man or am I going to watch Magnum P.I.? Because no way mom and dad would let me watch both. And so I would watch the $6 million man. Which, and then later, <laughs> $6 million man, if I remember correctly, turned into the fall guy. <laughs> they aired him in the same slot in rural Wyoming. <laughs> Uh, let's see here. I, the Fall Guy is on my list. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I loved The Fall Guy. Uh, let's see here. The Love Boat. Love Boat? That's, no, that's a little tough. Thanks. Probably no no on The Love Boat. Um, Although I would do Fantasy Island. Fantasy Island? I would oh, totally that would do that. Unique. That'd be science fiction, I think. That's a unique one. I'm going to put that over here on this list because that's intriguing because I I know all about Fantasy Island but I've never really watched Fantasy Island um, okay so good uh, good addition to the ever growing science fiction <laughs> list I have going over here uh, let's see here oh here's a good one I think Band of Brothers never watched it ne- I would neither like have to. I yeah it was an HBO thing done by uh, Tom Hanks um, so it might be interesting um, I put this in this list, but I'm not sure if it is officially drama or maybe if it's science fiction. Knight Rider. <laughs> Michael Knight. And his car, Kit. Okay. I watched it growing up, sure. 
loved that show growing up. Loved it growing up. Uh, since we're car-themed, Top Gear. Okay, I could watch that. Probably not much for us to discuss, though. We we just watch an episode and then rate it. Ta- then talk about how much we liked that car or <laughs> hated that car? Uh, uh, here's a semi-serious one. Luther. Have you heard of this at all? It's a British show. Um, it is kind of like uh, a police drama Ish. It, it's uh, it follows this guy Luther who is a police detective, and he goes and he solves various murders. But he's kind of a messed up guy himself. He's got some flaws. Okay. Um, I've watched a couple of episodes. I really enjoyed it. It's gone three seasons. I don't know if it's going anymore or not. But I I think it's a good program. I you know I'd like I ha- to watch it. I haven't heard of it, but based on the description you just gave there, I would say you might also want to try Vera, which is. Very much, I, like I would describe it almost exactly the way you just described Luther. It's also a UK show that I really enjoy. Okay. Uh, let's see here. MASH. I could totally do MASH. MASH, that would be fun. I could totally do MASH. Long. <laughs> Long. 11 seasons? Long. Yeah, 10 or 11. I'm not sure exactly which. Um, I got to just add this on here, you know, because Sports Night. It's been yeah, mentioned so many times. It's been. By so many different people. I don't know if we'll ever do it. Um, Iron Chef America. Iron Chef America. Okay. We could we could talk about the dishes. We could talk about the judges. I could spend a lot of time talking about how much I hate some of those judges. <laughs> oh, I want to punch them so much. Um, let's see here. Ooh, Little House on the Prairie. Never watched it. All 203 episodes. <laughs> This is long. I mean, it went about nine seasons, and it's just brilliant nostalgia of growing up. Because well, right. we were totally allowed to watch that. If that was on, no, no big deal. I mean, you couldn't sit there and binge watch it because you know that that wasn't a thing back then. But mom and dad had no problems with us watching a show like Little House on the Prairie. If you're gonna open the the Michael Landon door, you gotta have Highway to Heaven on your list. How have we not considered <laughs> Highway to Heaven? That it's has, hard to find. It is hard to find. Oh, man. Highway to Heaven would be fantastic. It would be. Oh, if we're, oh man. Oh, man, you just blew my mind there. <laughs> blew my mind with Highway to Heaven. Okay. The official drama list. Number five. Mad Men. I could do Mad Men. Have you watched it? I watch every single episode of Mad Men. I've seen numerous episodes, but never have watched Mm. the full thing all the way through. So I waited, I think, about till the end of season three before I even started watching it. Everyone kept talking about it. Mm -hmm. I watched the first couple of episodes, and I I will just say this. They are absolutely terrible people, Mm -hmm. but they are brilliantly portrayed. Yeah. It was was just incredible, that show. And plus side, Christina Hendricks is in it, so (laughs) gosh, I won't get tired of staring at her. Um, (laughs) Especially not the way she dresses. Fantastic. (laughs) It's the 1950s, Pete, (laughs) and she's a secretary. (laughs) Number four, Alias. Now, some could argue I that this is science, science fiction. fiction. I do. It is. There is an absolute undertone of weird, like, interesting science fiction. But uh, it's, <laughs> it's a drama. It's plenty, plenty of drama. Number three, I think you'll like this. None, nobody else will. The Unit. 
Oh, yeah. I think there is tons worthwhile to talk about in that. You and I are both big fans. Yeah, huge fans. Number two, not sure how you'll feel about this one. Downton Abbey. Has has Dee Dee been watching this? Has she forced you to watch this? Actually, I got Dee Dee into this. Did you? Yeah, I watched season one and I really enjoyed it. By and the way, my friend John Madsen. Really? Fan. Oh, yeah. 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 It, it's, it's super well done. Some of the highest production values I've ever seen for PBS, BBC stuff. I mean, it is just amazing, amazingly well done. Here's, here's my thing with Downton Abbey. Uh, I don't think I've made a secret of the fact that instead of using a physical DVR, I use the large internet as my mm. DVR and I torrent most of the shows I watch. I have legal right to see mm-hmm. them. I, I'm paying for the channels that they come in on, but I just feel I get a better experience through torrenting. The internet did let me down in regards to Downton Abbey. When I torrented season two of Downton Abbey, the episodes were mislabeled. Nice. And I watched the end of the season <laughs> when I thought I was watching episode one. And none of it made any sense. I'm like, what is going on? They're talking about characters I don't know. I'm like, did I really forget that much about season one? And so I went and I, I was doing some looking online, trying to look up some of the characters they were talking about to refresh my memory. And that's when I discovered, oh, I'm watching very, very late, if not the end of season two. And I thought, you know... With what I know now about where season two is headed, I'm getting off this crazy train while I can because it was going nowhere that I wanted to go. It was just ah. really a really downer season, season two was. And I thought, I just don't need that right now. So I skipped it, and I haven't, I haven't kept up. Didi has kept up, but I have not. Now, the, uh, the sh- I thought it, they were only like... Like almost like Sherlock, there are only three episodes per season. Is no, that there's the there's case? a lot of episodes. Real? I don't think so. I think there's like thirteen. Hold on, let me look it up. Thirteen total episodes, per or thirteen season. per season? I think there's thirteen per season. Wow, because the stuff that John records, I've watched, not watched, but I've seen it on the DVR, and they're like hour and a half long ish episodes. But I've never, like, they, they only seemed like they went three, maybe four or five. Okay, there were seven episodes in season one. Looks like that's about the pattern. Seven or eight episodes in most of the seasons here. Oh, okay. Okay. So how, split the difference between what you were thinking and what I was thinking. Right, right. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, again, it's an easy one because it, it's fairly short I tell you, the interesting thing about season one of Downton Abbey is it made me want to watch more about the lives of servants in that period in England. And so there's another series called Upstairs, Downstairs that I've heard good things about, but I haven't ever actually watched. But it focuses specifically on the servant side of things. And well, you haven't watched any of it really is what you're no. saying. So one of the one of the main themes of Downton Abbey over and over again is how there's just as much of a responsibility from the masters to the servants that they be good masters and the servants hold them accountable and say, you know what? You're not deserving of my respect right now. And that connect, like if your servants don't respect you, that culturally was a big deal. Like if, if it was known that, yeah, your servants think you're slime, it was, it was not an acceptable social stigma to have on you. Mm. And that, that really caught my attention. It really intrigued me. And so I was doing some more, some looking around and some, 
sites I looked at reference this upstairs, downstairs. So that might be another one we consider. Um, last one. Number one. Breaking Bad. Okay. I'm in. It's a phenomenal show. And it's only four seasons. I don't think they're all f- like what we would consider a full turn of, of episodes per season anyway. Um, I think they cap out at maybe 20. Um, some I think might be shorter. It is just brilliant. And you've not watched it? I watched season one. Season one. And I watched the f- part of the first episode of season two. And I can't, I can't even remember. It wasn't that I didn't enjoy it. I just thought, you know what? There, there are, again, it comes back to a limited amount of free time. Uh, see, episode one of season two didn't immediately hook me. And so it just got shelved. Yeah. And frankly, we've been rather low on our quotient of uh, the word uh, that rhymes with witch that starts with a B. <laughs> Uh, and we could really fill it up with okay. this particular show. That, that would catch us up. The- yeah, I really would. So that's my push for this. Although I could easily be talked into Highway to Heaven because <laughs> that really is, that just seems fantastic. Love the idea of Highway to Heaven. So anybody who who's listening to this and you you want to put in your two cents, I think the it's leaning heavily towards Breaking Bad in my book. Uh, but we'd love to hear some more feedback. We don't have to make the decision right away, but we just want like to get to hear this some out votes there. for Incredible Hulk. Yeah, <laughs> I just want to throw out my sci-fi list. You want to hear my I sci-fi, do want to hear list? Your sci-fi list? Because we have to be thinking now. Yeah, yeah. So, F- uh, Fantasy Island, an excellent suggestion. Um, the so other ones to consider, not on a top five list here. Andromeda. No. <laughs> if it's got Kevin Sorbo in it, go ahead and cross it off your little list right now. <laughs> um, Star Wars The Clone Wars. This is the animated thing okay. uh, that, uh, that George Lucas You're talking about doing. the computer-generated animation yes. one. Okay. Because mm-hmm. there's also Star Wars The Clone Wars, the, the series of mini cartoons that were like five to seven minutes long. No. No, definitely not talking about those. Uh, Doctor Who. Okay. Avatar, The Last Airbender. Huge, huge, yeah. huge fan. Yeah, I thought that might be a winner for you. Uh, and then if we end up not considering Alias on the drama list. <laughs> I didn't consider that on alias the sci-fi list. <laughs> on the sci-fi list. Okay, so my official top five. Okay. Number five, Hercules. No. Starring Kevin Sorbo. It's got Kevin Sorbo in it. You can cross it off. Are you just so uncomfortable, you know, that uh, yeah, with his body being yes. as, as fantastic as it is? Yes, like, that's exactly what it is. Does weird things inside you that <laughs> no. you're not comfortable expressing? <laughs> does not do weird things inside of me. He's just too pretty to be male, and I can't stop oh, looking at him. Oh, He is fantastically, like... Manly butch man. He is physically well built, but he's also very pretty. All right. <laughs> I don't like looking at him. <laughs> Number four, lost. Think we think we could go down this road again? Do you think we could do this? I, I think that maybe enough time has passed that those scars have, have <laughs> those wounds have scarred over that maybe we could 
get something out of there. Number it's certainly th- grist for the mill. <laughs> <laughs> Number three is one I've always wanted to watch but never got into it, Farscape. Okay. Don't know if you ever watched it or uh, not. I never have watched it. I, the the costumes that I saw in the in the promos and things like that looked a little over the top, and so I never got interested. Mm-hmm. And yet, if you had tried to present Babylon Five to that <laughs> same mindset, the guy in that same mindset, he also would have said, "No, I'm not watching Babylon Five. Yeah. Okay, number two, not officially sci-fi, but close enough. It's not. It it fits here. Um, the Walking Dead. I've heard nothing but really fantastic. I, I want to wait until this. that one's over. I is this not the last season? I don't know for the the Walking it, it Dead. It might be. I don't know. I feel like it is. I feel like that's what I've heard. Uh, and my number one is Fringe, uh, which I've extolled uh, what I think about Fringe so far. I'm not done with it. Yeah. Only in season. You three. ruined my wife. Thanks a lot. Why? She's been watching Fringe and she keeps coming in and saying, so. Uh, in this episode of Fringe, and I say, no, don't talk to me. Pete and I are going to watch it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. We're going to be doing it for Trek West 5. She's like, but I, re- I really want to ask you about it. I'm like, I can't. I can't do it. We might cover it on the podcast. And it's a show you've not seen, right? It's not. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that was an exhaustive list. Um, <laughs> had you not taken so long, I would have probably had a much shorter list. But it wouldn't have been as entertaining. <laughs> Look, it takes 90 minutes to watch 90 minutes of television, Pete. That's, That's just a thing. <laughs> I, I, I think your math is solid on that, so I, I can't disagree. Um, all right. Well, then let's do Joey's Culture Corner. Okay. Uh, this week it is the movie About Time. Uh, this is a, a fantastic movie about a boy who can time travel. Uh, it turns out all the men in his family have this ability. He finds out from his father on his 21st birthday. His father pulls him aside and says, hey, I've got a big secret to share with you. Uh, as, as you're now 21, you can travel in time. <laughs> and he said, uh, Dad, come on. No, I'm serious. All right, how do I do it? You, know, you go in a dark room. Usually like a closet or go in the wardrobe, a bathroom will do in a pinch. And you hold your hand, make fists in your hands, and you think of the moment you want to go to, and boom, you're there. But they travel to the same physical location mm-hmm. at that time. So then it, then he, you know, he, he, he tries out what his dad said, and he does. He manages to tra- travel in time. He comes back absolutely flabbergasted and says, you know, what What do I do with this, Dad? What do I do now? And his dad says, well, you, you got to think about what you really want in life. He says, well, I want money. I want money. I don't know, son. I'd be careful. Your, your, your grandfather, he wanted money, and he was, he was miserable. It made him miserable. And I've never known a happy rich person. You should go for something that's really going to make you happy. And he says, well can't remember he comes up he, he pitches a few different ideas and his dad says well be careful with that you know here, here's and so finally he says you know what i'd like to get a girlfriend i'd really like this to be able to get me a girlfriend his dad says oh love you're going for the mothership <laughs> and and then I, I don't want to reveal too much past that because it is it's a it's a very sweet very touching romantic comedy but ultimately, it's actually a lot more about the relationship between the father and the son. 
than it is about the relationship between the boy and his and his girlfriend and eventually his wife. And that relationship between that father and that son, the best way I can think of to describe it is it made me realize what I messed out, what I should have had, what I feel like I should have been mm-hmm. entitled to. Yeah. And what I want to have with my son. I don't know if I can say I'm as good of a father as this guy was because the, you know, he can travel in time. He does something wrong. He upsets his kid. He travels back in time and does it again until he gets it right. I, I, I can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I, I've, I've made some mistakes. I've shared some of them on the podcast. Uh, but the relationship between that father and that son really, really touched me deeply. And I, I want, I really want everyone who's listening to the podcast to go out and watch this movie because it is a, a fantastic, heartwarming story. It's it's a little sad, but a little happy as well. And I give it the highest possible promotion that I can. I give it two thumbs up. <laughs> That's all I got. I only got the two thumbs. <laughs> when did uh, when did this come out? 2013. Okay. So it's a fairly new movie. Uh, Rachel McAdams is the only person whose name I can remember off the top of my head. The The father is... He was the bad guy in the Underworld vampire movies. I can't remember the actor's name right now. but I never watched any of them. Okay. Um, it, it, was this a direct-to-DVD kind of thing? Or no, did it, it hit was, it theaters? Was theaters? It was in theaters. Okay. I, I mean, not that it means anything. I, I, I don't remember it, but I don't really go to movies. Uh, my friend John Madsen would probably know, probably has seen it. Um, Okay, well, you enjoyed it. You you liked it. Is it more of you said it's a romantic comedy? Yes. Kind of sounds fantasy, science fictiony with the whole time travel thing. The, the time but travel it's thing not is that. It's it, like it's it, not yeah. really about that. It, that's just a that's just a plot device to uh-huh. let them explore reliving the same day and and trying to get things right. Um if you saw One Day, uh, it was another one that was a romantic comedy that came out, I think, 2012 or somewhere around there. They did kind of a similar thing where you're just, you're just trying to show people trying to get relationships right. And that's really the focus of the movie. The fact that he could travel in time was really just a cheap way for the writers to get the device they wanted, which is keep trying the same day until you get it right. Moving on to episodes, we are going to cover episode one of Sherlock uh, season three. Uh, We'll start with episode one, The Empty Hearse. I didn't do a summary. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, folks. I didn't do summaries for a while there. (laughs) Uh, Sherlock returns from the dead. Yes. And John Watson is not too happy about it. John Watson has a mustache. (laughs) Um, Okay, so we begin this by reliving the whole thing. And uh, we're then being exposed to, oh, this is kind of how things happen. This is what happened. How did he survive? Uh, how did he d- d- survive dying and, and falling from this? And then we come to find out, no, this is just somebody's theory. Anderson, specifically. The the reporter who had been... No. Medical examiner. 
Medical examiner? Anderson was the ME. I feel like he was the reporter. No. He was the medical examiner, and that's why he's talking to Lestrade. That's why Lestrade is like, you're to blame for this. You pushed him over the edge. It was in the in the very first episode, when we see Sherlock. This is the medical examiner guy who's there to examine the pink body. All the- Englishmen look the same to me. <laughs> I clearly, I need to... Repent of my racism towards English people. Um, wow. Okay. Well, it's this guy. Yep. And uh, he is explaining to Lestrade. Lestrade says, "Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're crazy. Well, it's needlessly complex." <laughs> the, the the hypnotist, which I guess is like their version of uh, Chris Angel or something. I don't know. I. Because he he mentions the guy by name as though we're all just supposed to know who this person is. So, yeah, it's like, maybe it's the British version of him or David Copperfield. I don't know. I don't know if we have an equivalent. But uh, the thing I liked about this is the close up on Benedict Cumberbatch's face as he's bungee jumping. Uh huh. I'm betting that's probably what people's faces really look like when they they're falling and then all of a sudden there's that tug back up. I just I thought that was really cool. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, there's plenty of video evidence on YouTube, I'm certain, of, of people who are recording themselves doing that. So uh, we could check that if we would like. Um, anyway, um, it's not the real thing. And it is just a theory. And when I watched it the first time, it was disappointing <laughs> because it's like, how did he do it? How did they, how did he survive? So here's the thing they, they had two years roughly of break and the internet was just mm-hmm. storming with speculation what i have heard i don't know how true this is but one rumor that i heard is that the writing staff were actually looking at the internet posts and picking and choosing some of the more plausible scenarios and actually writing them into the episode so so they're kind totally of playing with the audience here a little bit to say yeah, we, we know about your secret little internet hideouts, and we are in them, and we are stealing ideas from yeah, them. Yeah, the the internet stuff, um, Stephen Moffat did an interview, and he, they, he was really surprised by what the internet did, by what the, the scores of fans did who, number one, were just you know, unhappy with, with what had happened, but then were started putting out all of these theories for what was happening. He was just completely surprised by that. Um, so I, I think that that is fantastic that, uh, it had an effect, yeah. uh, even on the writers and the creators of the show. Um, okay. But in the end, uh, we see poor Watson, um, <laughs> who's there and he's, he's dealing with the death of, of his best friend, which I equated to to you dying. That oh, that could be me if Joey dies. That's interesting. That's, I, I went the same way. Yeah. I, I was the one who died, and you're the one who lived. <laughs> <laughs> and I was uh, I was still sad for you. Uh, you you in, were nowhere that, near as sad as John Watson is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh no, who's gonna fix my internet? Yeah, exactly. When it gets, dang it, <laughs> who's gonna I'm, record my I'm podcast? I'm really now? unhappy about this. This is a real inconvenience to me, Joey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we come to find uh, we're we're slowly introduced to Sherlock, um, and he's in some. Prison, Hungarian prison. I feel like I don't remember. I think he where said he Czechoslovakian. I don't know. Could, yeah, 
Could be. And uh, Mycroft is apparently there in the room as well uh, to the extent of, you know, he eventually helps free Sherlock and he says, hey, I need your help. We've got this big thing. And the question on everybody's mind at the time of seeing this is, okay, why was he there? Right. And what was he doing? And we come to find out it's thankfully answered quick enough. He's there because he Sherlock was trying to dismantle Moriarty's network. And apparently that was the last vestiges of it. And yep. it's done. Moriarty's network has been completely disbanded and destroyed in you know whatever form it took. But Sherlock is needed now. And so Mycroft has come there to help uh, uh, break him out and get him on to working on this other thing, cleaning him up. And we see John Watson, who shows up, and he's wearing um, a lip caterpillar. (laughs) It's the best way I can describe that mustache. And uh, do we like the mustache? I I think he looks good. I think he looks good. It looks weird. It looks too weird for me uh, when, when I look at him. Um, anyway, it turns out Watson never visited Mrs. Hudson. Not, not even a phone call or anything. Sherlock's dead. I'm never going to see you again. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, um, which is got to be, I wonder, in the wild assumption that you die before me, you know... Would I just stop being friends with one of our friends, Curtis? <laughs> Would I just never call Curtis ever again, or or Brandon, or Dee Dee? Yeah, it's probably a more realistic uh, uh, notion. And the, John Watson gives this ex, not excuse, but the reason he states is, I, it was just too hard for me. You know, well, and, I, and it I was just too like difficult, says- too painful. At first, it was, you know, I couldn't pick up the phone. And the longer it mm-hmm. went, the harder it was to do. And, you know, I, I, can, I can relate to that. You know, when you let some of these negative things build like this, they can become completely overwhelming where you, you just you don't even know how to move forward. Sure. Yeah. Um, so that, that feeling that he has there, I can totally relate to. And so I don't begrudge him because it's... It's honestly there, you know, I made a lot of really what I considered to be close friends when I served my mission in Scotland, uh, when I went to college um, in Fresno, um, and even, you know, some high school friends where it's too painful-ish to try and keep this up because the relationship is drastically changed. Hmm. It is nowhere near what it used to be. And for me, I don't know how to relate to what that new relationship yeah. becomes. Um, I, I, I suppose the, the, a good example would be a few couple years ago, maybe you were considering a job in Denver and I remember thinking, if he moves to Denver, <laughs> uh, I think this might be done. They, yeah. I, I don't know how in the world there would continue to be this friendship. And would it end up fading out then? Sure, I'd still have you on Gmail <laughs> when you respond to Gmail, when, you know, 
Next time I'm up at two in the morning, you might be online too. <laughs> um, but it would just be completely, utterly changed. And in in my history so far, the, the relationships really haven't survived. So I think a couple have. You know, I'm still in contact with some people, but it's it's it really is vastly different. Yeah, I, I totally see your point. On the other hand, I, I have a an interesting counterexample here. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I don't know. It's, it's just an interesting story from my life in the past week. There are a group of people that I have known on the internet, I would say very well, for about 15 years. They're, they're the programmers, creators of a language called PHP. Yep. They, they create the language. They create the community around the language. They go give conference talks and things like that. There was a conference here in Utah where they brought in a few of these guys that were PHP programmers that I could have told you anything, any random fact about their lives over the past 15 years, except for what they look like. Right. I've never met them. Uh, finally met a couple of them. At the, uh, they came out for this conference, and it was a 10-minute drive away from my house. And so on Saturday afternoon, I went up and I visited with them. We all went out to dinner and... and talked and got to know one another and it was just so it's not exactly the same because i i feel like i did know these people but you hadn't ever actually physically interacted at all we fell into a very familiar pattern very quickly like we just it was the same internet relationship we'd had but just didn't have to wait for the round trip message on the email thread or whatever Mm -hmm. and and so I feel like as grown adults, the relationships that we're forming now, I think are a little more stable than maybe the ones that have some of that emotional youth still attached to them. Maybe it's wrong. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but that's my thought. I I don't know. I think you're right. Probably as adults, there might be something that is a little more mature, uh, grown up, if you will, about that. I would think, though, it's completely different. Because the medium for which you guys are friends was an internet-based medium. Sure. And you had one facet that was new where it was a face-to-face, but you then went back to the regular medium. Does that make sense? Yep. I mean... I see what you're saying. In in the case of my friends from Fresno State, they were the guys who lived on that side of the wall and across the hall in my dorm. I saw them literally every day. Okay. And so that relationship, the, the, the friendship, completely obliterated and is no more. As they've changed, moved on, moved, done other things, it's, there is no connection anymore. Interesting. Okay. And I, I wonder... I don't know if this is the case, but maybe this is where it differs from myself and John Watson. If they came back around, I think I would hook back up with, well, that sounds awful. (laughs) I think I would establish the relationship, the friendship again, and, uh, you know, potentially, uh, you know, pursue what it might have been um, versus John Watson, which was, nah, I'm going to go into a shell, never talk to you, Mm. never see you again. Because it's just easier for me to deal with it that way. Okay. Loss. I, I, I loved the 
<laughs> the conversations between Watson and Mrs. Hudson here. Yeah. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. she she's still convinced he's gay. Yeah. You know, I'm moving on. Oh, it's a girl. Oh, you really are moving on. <laughs> <laughs> or, or when he says, I've moved on, she's like, oh, you're emigrating. No, no, that's, that's not it. Please quit guessing. <laughs> uh, my my personal favorite is he says, you know, oh, I'm getting married. And her response is, oh, what's his name? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which was cute uh, to see. And, of course, Mycroft's comment to Sherlock is, you know, Sherlock is asking about John Watson. And uh, he's like, oh, surely you've kept up. Oh, yes, of course. We meet f- uh, up every Friday for fish and <laughs> chips, um, which the idea of Mycroft doing that is just uh, hilariously absurd. Um, do you think two people, could, two brothers could grow up and be s- that way, do you think? Like completely like oblivious to what is considered normal. I see what you're saying. Um, thing because Mycroft has no desire, no need to be around other people. Sherlock kind of does, sort of. He's he has in recent times come to understand that he does need people. Yeah, specifically he needs John Watson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, so Sherlock disguises himself. <laughs> he feels that the best way to reintroduce himself. To John Watson is to sneak up on him in a goofy disguise, yeah. which was fun to watch. It was fun to watch. Silly. My, um, my favorite thing from that scene is when he's trying to steal the lady's pencil, the eyebrow pencil or whatever that was. He leans over her and he says, Madam, can I suggest you look at this menu? It's completely identical. <laughs> <laughs> What? <laughs> it's hilarious. I thought that whole scene was really, really funny. And he's trying to get John to look at him. He's like, like an old friend that one perhaps thought he would never see again. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it, it was probably the worst thing that he could have done. Um, and I just, the comment again I wrote is poor Watson that has to suddenly deal with this person who's back from the dead as far as he is concerned. The, yeah, the short version, not dead oh you're him (laughs) (laughs) but i have to say i think john's reaction is both written and played perfectly here oh yeah the the attackings were it was so in character for what we know of john watson just incredibly brilliantly done yeah uh let's see here turns out mary likes him yeah uh, which is, uh, and he can't quite get a beat on her the way he usually can with people. You know, he's doing his little deduction thing and, and it's all kind of flying around swirling in chaos. Normally we get kind of a label or the, you know, the pertinent facts, but this one is, it's just chaotic. He can't really? quite get a read on I didn't read it that way. That was, he was seeing all of the different things as they were presented but none of them, there. If you watch, none of them stabilize the words are kind of crookedly organized and things. Some were bigger than others though. It's a word cloud. <laughs> cloud. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Lestrade's reaction, I also thought was a good fit for the character. Okay, yeah. But I didn't care for the way they portrayed Mrs. Hudson's reaction. The scream. The slash fiction group. 
<laughs> that was a little disturbing. Was more than a little disturbing. That was a lot disturbing. <laughs> so there's the empty hearse club uh, that you know meets together, and uh, this one particular woman writes basically fan fiction about uh, Sherlock, Sherlock and Moriarty. <laughs> And they're, they're uh, playing this mean trick on Holmes so that they can be together. Oh, that is so <laughs> terrible. Although it was funny to watch the idea of who Moriarty is. Yeah. And, you know, it's just this horrible, you know, uh, you know completely uh, lacking in... Amoral? Yeah. And... The two of them are just sitting back and joking and laughing <laughs> and just as though they're the, you know, the best friends. That was just odd to see. And that was really funny. I, I enjoyed that. So uh, we move on. They, uh, Mycroft and Sherlock are in their, his flat. There, there was actually something that we skipped over. In the uh, Watson and Sherlock reconnection scene. Uh, when Watson is, or when Sherlock's saying, look, the mustache, man, it's got to go. Nobody likes it. Well, Mary likes it. No, she doesn't. Watson looks around and he says, oh, fantastic. This is, really missed this. <laughs> uh, Sorry, you were, you were going with Sherlock the, yeah. and, and Mycroft are, are chatting in there. Mycroft's trying to encourage him to get in and start dealing with this big, um, uh, terrorist conspiracy. Yeah, case that that he's brought him back for, and it makes it the the way they position the camera makes it look like they're playing chess, but in reality they're playing Operation. <laughs> I, you know, I who have thinks never, this up? I have never played that game. I never owned the game. I feel like I played it once at like somebody's house as a kid, but I don't think I ever really... I, we never owned it, and when we went to someone's house where they had it, the batteries didn't work. And uh-huh. so we played it without batteries, which makes it a very different game from what I perceive it was supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure a lot of uh, things were taken out. Of, oh, yeah, totally got that yep, out. It didn't totally touch the side. <laughs> um. Okay, so uh, moving on. They, they have an interesting bit of interaction here. We also see them play deductions. Uh-huh. And Holmes, Sherlock, implies to Mycroft, you're lonely and you don't even know it, and it's created a blind spot in you. Uh, as, he, as he says, you know, oh, this, you know, clearly this hat belonged to an isolated individual. And, and Mycroft's like, how could you possibly know that? He says, because no one who wore, wears this hat hangs out with any, has any friends. He says, well, how, you know, how could you possibly know that? No, you know, and then Sherlock Holmes is like, that, that's what friends do, man. <laughs> friends stop each other from doing dumb things. And you just, you don't even know it. I thought that was a very interesting, you know, they're giving us this slice of, of the relationship between Mycroft and Sherlock. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the implication that Mycroft is actually the smarter of them, which was true in the novels as well, or the stories. And and I just, I really liked what they played that scene for, which is Sherlock has looked inside of himself and said, you know what? I kind of need John Watson in my life and is implying to his brother, you know what? You should, you should maybe get a friend. I think it'd be a good thing for you. Interesting uh, note, though, is that the the discussion about the hat, you know, a person like this has no friends. The person who's had it was, had a girlfriend. 
So he said. I, we have to believe him. <laughs> uh, Sherlock ends up solving little uh, mysteries, little crimes here and there as people are coming to him. He's getting back into the flow of things. And we see that uh, Holmes is, or excuse me, Watson is just absolutely bored. We see him... Um, <laughs> If you ever think uh, being a doctor would be glamorous, wait, wait till a person comes in there and says, ah, I've got piles. I uh, need you to take a look at those. I've got an undescended testicle. <laughs> oh, my gosh. that would I would not enjoy that aspect of being a doctor. Um, and it becomes very clear that they need each other. Um, it's introduced this person who disappears on the very last train. Mm. And which sets in motion this uh, uh, part of this mystery of what's going on, who these people are. Because he, this is one of these people that uh, Sherlock is watching to see if they do anything weird. Everybody else that he's watching, they're doing everything as they normally would. Except this one person who goes missing on this train. How does this happen? Because it's completely mysterious to us. In the meantime... Watson ends up getting drugged and kidnapped. And a text message is sent to Mary. She shows it to Sherlock and says, Oh my gosh, I don't know what this means, but it looks like it is a slip code. Skip. Skip code. Uh, Sorry, the L and the K are right next to each other on the the (laughs) keyboard. On your handwriting? (laughs) Yeah. So the this is going to be useful not in this episode later on. You, you had to be asking yourself how really you know what a skip code is? No. I've never heard of a skip that's code. What, that's what I'm saying. Why does Mary Mary is clearly not your average person. Well no, I what I'm saying is I've never heard of this before, which means I've never heard of this before. So it could just very easily be a thing that's in Britain. I don't think anything I see. of You this. thought it might be a cultural thing. Okay. Heck, if I know what it is, and I don't know any of Mary's background either, I, I we know nothing about yeah, her. Yeah, I don't either. But when she said code, I thought, so she's some kind of programmer or some kind of, I don't know. I, I thought it's interesting that John, when he found a girl that he was in love with, chose someone who is so, to me, it seemed, it seemed clear that she's not just your average person. So, Watson is going to be burned in a bonfire. Hold on. You, you went blazing right past something I want to cover. Well, feel free to bring it up. Sherlock and Molly. Okay. Uh, so, Sherlock brings Molly in with him to kind of fill in the gap that, that John has left. Mm-hmm. And th- there, there are a couple things that happen in there. Uh, the first one is... When they have the skeleton with the How I Did It by Jack the Ripper book, mm-hmm. uh, Sherlock starts talking to the voice of John Watson that he's hearing in his head, almost schizophrenic episode-like. And then as he's leaving the room, Molly says, you know, why would someone do that? And his response is, why indeed, John? And you see this kind of crestfallen look uh-huh. come over Molly as she's like, oh, I'm never going to be yep. John Watson for him. But they, you know, she, she asked him, what, what was this really all about? 
Sherlock, what, you know, why did you have me come in on this like this? And basically he tells her, this is my way of saying thank you. And then he tells Molly that he loves her. Not that he's in love with her. Not that there's a romantic feeling there, but that he cares about her very mm-hmm. deeply. Uh, and she tells him, you know, well, I'm in this relationship now. Or he deduces that she's in a relationship. And, and he gives her his quote-unquote permission to go, you know, be happy, Molly. I, ho- I hope things work out well for you. Okay. I thought that was a very nice scene for this secondary character that I've always, I, the first two series, I always felt kind of, I felt bad for her. Yeah. It's, was- it's unfortunate that you're in love with a total sociopath. Uh, it was nice that he humanized a little bit in his two years away and was able to make that connection. Do you think he really meant what he was saying? I do. I read it as 100% sincere. I don't care one way or the other, but I don't necessarily. What I think I know about the character of Sherlock Holmes is portrayed in these episodes, these um, BBC um, showings. I could totally think that he would be able to lie to her and say something nice because that's what he thinks she needs to hear. And that will mean something to her in some regard. Don't know if that's the case. Like I said, don't care one way or the other. But I could totally see him not being. I I could as faithful. well, but in this case, I read it as sincere. Was there anything else you wanted to no, cover that was there? It. Thank you. Okay. Um, so Watson's drugged, tossed into uh, this this bonfire that's <laughs> about to start up. They're receiving text messages as you know the time keeps getting closer and closer. In the end, he's barely rescued as the the thing is on fire. Um, and the question is why? Yeah. What what does this have to do with anything? Why would they why would they kidnap him? Here's another question for you. Why why Guy Fox Day? Why is this a thing? I don't understand. I'm familiar with the the gunpowder plot. Uh-huh. I I know the nursery rhyme. I know everything about it that one might know if one was familiar with V for Vendetta, both the graphic novel and the movie version. That's about the extent of my knowledge of Guy Fox. So I don't understand. Is he a hero? Kind of. Is he a villain? Yeah. He, he tried to a kill hero. the king, right? Uh, Parliament. He was trying to blow up Parliament. But wouldn't the king have been there? Uh, I, okay. I suppose he could have been invited like he was, to Parliament. He was assassinated for treason, which to me says the, that the, the king The Parliament was... building. Maybe the king was there. I don't know. Okay. Um, but he is, I, I like think, definitely hero? seen as, as a hero... Uh, to people okay, in so Scotland, burn him in Scotland. No, I, I don't think they. It, in England, they burn him. Scotland, <laughs> no, they're he's really kind of seen as. Hey, that's great. Someone tried to blow up <laughs> the English. We're happy about this. Okay. Let's celebrate this man. Um, but yeah, I, I think, uh, we actually saw the, the vestige, you know, this effigy, effigy yeah. uh, person that, that's up there at the top of the bonfire. And the little girl refers to him as, as Fox or guy. She's like, guy mm. doesn't like it. He wants us to stop. Yeah. So that, that's about as far as I know. I, I just, I was hoping that maybe by mentioning on the podcast, we could get maybe uh cultural correspondence from the Bob's. 
to to explain to us this this festival and what is the intent what is being celebrated or demonized i don't really i don't really understand what what is going on in this scene i don't understand the cultural aspects behind it so i thought maybe the bobs could ch- chime in for us and give us some understanding okay um so we awkwardly meet sherlock's parents they look like they are just normal people there who are trying to get something yeah. solved. Uh, but then Watson shows up and he quickly shoes them out the door and it's revealed those are his <laughs> parents. Um, and it's, you know, they look rather just ordinary people. And Watson finds this amusing. To <laughs> it is amusing. <laughs> um, okay. My thought process is Never hold anything in Parliament on November 5th. <laughs> that just seems like you were asking for trouble. Okay. Some guy is just going to say, hey, this would be great. It worked out so well for Guy Fox. Everybody remembers him. I just, I just feel like don't even tempt fate in this regard. Um, okay. So have you been watching the new 24? No. When Watson and Holmes... Start hunting through the underground. Uh-huh. Which, by the way, I'm probably jumping ahead a, a, a bunch here. Um, the, they, he jimmies the lock on this black grating, opens it up, and then they walk through this... Tunnel? Tunnel. I think it's the exact same thing that they used in the episode of 24, which, by the way, is set in London. Oh, okay. Um, and I look, I saw that, and I was like... Oh my gosh, I think this is this is a thing that they get to use. All television shows, when they want to break into an underground someplace, they get to use this grating <laughs> when they're in London. That's what I'd like to believe. Um, okay, so they finally find the car, and it turns out everything is wired to explode with this huge bomb in the middle. And... Watson is angry because he says, why didn't you call the police? I told you to call the police. But assuming that they called the police, at best, they only get there at the exact same time that Watson and Sherlock get there at 2 minutes 30 seconds. Now, let's assume that it's just the police. Well, you still just got cops. No bomb squad. No. Yeah, no bomb squad. Let's say the bomb squad show up. Realistically, two and a half minutes with a thing, I don't feel like the bomb squad's really going to do anything other than say, yeah, we should all run. We should all (laughs) run far, far away if we can. I don't feel like they're going to be able to do anything. So I, it was unfortunate that that line had to happen. I get the emotional outburst that's just happening there because he's exasperated mm-hmm. with Sherlock again because he just doesn't seem like he's doing the uh, the most logical uh, thing that he should do. In the end, Watson forgives Holmes. Well, so he puts him through the... the I, know, I wouldn't say they he puts him through this, but he says, yeah, hey, I can't do anything about this. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I... Can you forgive me? And I believe at this point it cuts away. Yeah. And we see a whole bunch of stuff. 
We see Holmes explain to Anderson how mm-hmm. he did it. Maybe. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm not fully convinced I'm that that's either. even the the truth as well. Very plausible. Yep. Sure. Why not? I, I, I do buy, because he gave, it, he gave it twice or three times in the same episode, I do buy his initial thing, which is there were 13 possible options. Sure. Okay. Yeah. There was a code word for each one of them. As soon as I knew which option needed to be executed, I texted it to Mycroft and the plan set in motion. Right. Now, whatever the actual plan was, Mycroft certainly had the ability and the personnel to pull off any of the 13 options. So I, I felt like it was a good enough answer. Yeah. I, if that's what it is, I can live with it. I just don't feel like... I just don't feel like that's necessarily the answer. Okay. And it, I, it just seems weird to me that he would give this answer to this person. It's well, like, I'm going to tell you what really happened. And I'm going to allow it to be recorded. Yeah, uh, That's weird. It might be one of those, like, you know, you would never believe that I'm actually <laughs> telling this guy the truth kind of things. You're playing the long con. But he was recording it. Yeah. So you can totally believe it. <laughs> What's odd to me is the fact that the he kind of goes crazy. He has a nervous breakdown kind of thing at right? the end. I, thought, I, I rolled my eyes. I did too. Yeah. Okay, good. I, I I did like though the, uh, you know, so the, again they're kind of playing the playing the internet audience a little bit where Anderson represents the internet fanboys. Uh-huh. He's like, yeah, that's really that's how you did it. It's not how I would have done it. <laughs> <laughs> and Watson's reaction or Sherlock's reaction is. Everyone's a critic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it was great. I, I enjoyed that. So, uh, let's see here. Watson always for, an off switch. <laughs> Watson does forgive Sherlock. He says, I, I forgive you. That's fine. And then Sherlock starts laughing. And he's like, oh, yeah. I, I turned it off here. It, it, there's a switch on this. <laughs> there's always a switch, which... I don't buy. I, I don't buy that either. <laughs> Um. Anyway, we uh, my my last couple of notes here is we finally meet Molly's new boyfriend, who <laughs> looks, looks like Sherlock, incredibly like Sherlock. I, I'm I'm curious. I wonder if she dresses him. Does she pick out his clothes, and and intentionally dresses him like Sherlock? I'll, I'll let you write the Molly fan fiction, <laughs> Joey, and you can share that with us uh, next week on the podcast. Uh, I I liked the little exchange there at the end. Of the train scene between Watson and Sherlock, where Watson says, I am definitely killing you. And Sherlock's response is, oh, please, John. That's so two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it ends out with this man who's watching these screens. And eventually, Sherlock comes on the screen and the eye dilates um, as though indicating... Ooh, there's some real venom between whoever this person is, really? which I I think we're the idea is we're we can't see the full person, but is this Moriarty? Is it maybe Moriarty? Is it is it Moriarty? Um, it's interesting. You read Venom. I, I'm just going to apologize to people here. I read Sexual Excitement with that eye dilation. That's what, what? I thought we were supposed to get. Where? 
You are writing slash fiction uh, right now. Not you on have begun your slash fiction right now. I'm just saying that's what I thought we were supposed to get from that. This impression. podcast is not the appropriate place for you to I express. I apologize in advance. <laughs> Sexual excitement. That is what I thought that was trying to express. Oh my gosh. That is... I never want my eyes to dilate at you. From here on out, I'm just going to... I'm going (laughs) to put a cover over my eyes so that you can't see them. Because I would hate for you to read that in me. (laughs) Don't want those wires getting crossed. Do we Uh, know that... There's... uh, one other scene between Sherlock and Watson that I thought, you know, it, it, it closes the rift. It heals the, the relationship, brings it right back. The next episode, we can pick up right where we left off, which is Watson talking to Sherlock about the scene at the, at the tomb or at the gravestone where he says, you know, I, I asked you for one more miracle. I asked you to not be dead. And Sherlock says, I heard you. Fantastic. I really, really like that. Let's go to uh, Bob's email here because he wrote in uh, about uh, this episode and he said, This was funny, charming, and delightfully engaging episode, which even managed to add the mystique of the London Underground into it as well. I did love the little theories surrounding how Sherlock faked his death were wickedly funny, as was Sherlock approaching John again. You would have thought the introduction of Mary would have caused a lot, a loss of chemistry. But I think having Amanda Abington, who was Martin Freeman's wife, play her really helped the increase, help increase the chemistry between the trio and made her bizarrely more trusting. I'm sure she will return, uh, we will return to that later on. I'm not sure if you guys have seen all three episodes yet, so I won't drop any spoilers. This was a really solid nine and a cracking start to the series. I'm off to enjoy the rest of my birthday. All the best, Bob. Um, Happy belated birthday, Bob. Yeah, sorry about that. I feel like I knew that. I feel like I saw that on Facebook, but I did what I always do when it comes to Facebook birthdays. I Nothing. Sh- scroll right past them. <laughs> But uh, I, I hope you're having a very happy birthday. Uh, okay, no other emails. Okay, Pete, what's your television rating? Given this an eight, we're starting back up from where we left off a year or two ago, some time ago, and I really enjoyed this. This was a fun jump back into this. It would have been nice to definitively say this is how I died um, or didn't die. But there were a few quirky things. I I could give this a better rating if some of those things just had made more sense to me. Uh, But sold once again on Sherlock and Stephen Moffat as a writer. Um, Also... The the guy who plays Mycroft is actually one of the other main writers. Um, so he does he my uh, um, uh, Moffat shouldn't get all the credit. Uh, that other guy should definitely get some of the credit as well because he he has done absolutely brilliant. I actually gave this a, a nine for television. I think there are very few misses in this. 
The only one that really stands out to me is Anderson's reaction to Sherlock's big reveal. It was just a little bizarre, and I, I don't know what was going on there. All the other pieces, I think, played really, really well and returned us back into the swing of the Sherlock universe. I also gave this a mystery rating, which we didn't do last time, and I know you don't have one, but I this time around I want to give a mystery rating, so I'm giving a mystery rating of two on this episode because there wasn't a whole lot of focus. Really, there's just this peripheral thing of who kidnapped John and why. Yeah, plus the the bomb stuff that's going on. The, uh, the real impetus of this episode is the relationship of John Watson and Sherlock once again uh, coming back into the foreground. Well, that brings us to the end of another podcast. We hope that you've been inspired to take a deeper look at your entertainment choices and discuss it with friends, family, or just a couple of complete strangers you only know from the internet. As always, we invite your comments to our email at trekwest5 at thehomestarmy.com. You can tweet Pete at trekwest5, or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 801-508-4242. So until next time, I am Joey. And I am Peter. And we thank you for listening. 